1: Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Miss Sherry O'Terry. <laughs> Hi. What is going on? How are you? You're in LA, I presume.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and it's a gorgeous day out, and um, spring is here, and uh, um. I'm just uh, looking outside to my backyard and seeing all these flowers blooming, my dogs peeing, and uh, it's a good day.
1: Well, I am in New York City and it is not spring. It is (laughs) still cold, although I guess for New York, it's kind of warming up. So, you know, New York is something that you know about, of course.
0: But the great thing about when it does become spring in New York it is like a celebration. You know, here we get nice weather, you know, most of the time, decent weather. But boy, the appreciation for spring back East. It's like, I'll tell you something. I had a roommate years and years ago and she used to say, you know, you always comment on the weather. And I go, she goes, I never met anybody who did that. And I'm like, oh my God. Cause I remember my mother would say when it was a nice day out in where we lived in Philadelphia the suburbs, my mother would spend the whole day on the phone saying, have you been out? Get outside. It's gorgeous. You got to get out. Get outside. She spent the whole day inside telling people to get outside because it's like there's such an appreciation because of the harshness of the weather, you know? So, um, boy, when spring hits in New York, it is like Mardi Gras.
1: It is like Mardi Gras. It's like literally, I mean, I've lived in the West Village in Chelsea, so it's like, but it is that thing where it's like, Okay, it's not that warm out people, and people are like in tank tops and shorts. It's like you have a, you have a great body. I get it. Like we all know it, but like I don't know if March 29th is the day that you should show everyone your great body, because it's not that warm. yet.
0: I know, but they've been dying. They've been dying all winter long.
1: Dying. <laughs> Well, speaking of New York, when you look back to your time on SNL, like, does that seem like a lifetime ago? Or does that seem like just yesterday? I mean, when you left 2000, that's crazy to me. It's 22 years ago.
0: I know. I know. Yeah. And it's just gotten more popular because it's become more prime time than anything. And, um, you know, and I'm always amazed at like, the news coverage of you know after a show um you know sketches that we used to think "Ah, that didn't go so well they're in the news now you know what I mean and um it's interesting it's 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 really interesting to watch it's one of the shows now you don't have to watch it to see it you know because you just see in the news or you know um social media um little snippets of things and it's fun you know it's fun to watch uh still it's still fun to watch to see what's going on in the news and how snl is going to reflect it
1: do you ever think like man like what it would be like you know i guess like you said it's positive like if you had social media like you know we've come a long way with social media right like if you were on during like a height of like social media everything is online within like seconds
0: yeah god i remember when i was on the show i remember tina Fey saying something about to me this email thing and i go that's never going to work no one will ever do mail or trust mail over a computer. (laughs) But I was just in New York, like last week. And um, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I got to do Watch What Happens Live and Bobby Flay and see my friends. It was a blast.
1: I saw you on Watch What Happens Live. I have some things to say about that in just a few minutes. All good, of course. Um, well, I know you were discovered at the Groundlings, you know, and that's how you kind of got SNL. I mean, you were at the, I mean, is the Groundlings like, you know, in my mind, it's such a rite of passage for comedy. Am I just like making that up? I mean, it seems like, like you were there with Kathy Griffin and Lisa Kudrow, like some of the greats.
0: Yeah. And I'll say, you know, people that went, not on SNL, just you know, went different places like as writers, Mad TV, Paul Rubens. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many people that you know went in different parts of the business, um, and had success. Uh, I mean, I would say the groundlings is, was the perfect training ground for SNL because it the number one thing was it taught us how to write and write characters, write sketch and because when you do get on SNL even though they do have writers no one has to write for you so the writers write what they want to write and, and you know you're just hoping that you're included you know that you're written into it or they cast you and you know unless you are most of the time a funny white guy you know you better know how to write for yourself
1: wow what was it like at the Groundlings with like, what was it like Lisa Kudrow, Kathy Griffin? Like what was- They
0: were the... before me. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and I used to, um, oh, when I was in taking classes, I would on Friday night, 10 o'clock, you could see the Late Show, which was an all improv show for free if you were in classes. And I didn't miss a Friday night. I learned more from watching those late night shows um, about theater, playwrights, because I didn't get it. And I wasn't, I didn't get into acting until I started taking classes at the Groundlings. You know, I moved to Los Angeles to get in the music business. I worked at A&M Records. Um, but I took classes the whole time. And to me, like, I thought to myself, could you imagine being a Groundling? I would have never have dreamt as big as what happened.
1: Wow. You know? When you first were approached to audition for Saturday Night Live, what was that like? Were you like, I mean, were you nervous? Were you, I was not I,
0: I just thought to myself, I was, I remember I had quit my job at A&M and I was temping at Disney Legal. And uh, I remember just, and it's funny being a temp, nobody invests in you. Nobody wants to get to know you because you're gonna be gone or they feel like they're cheating on the person that you're temping for. Yeah. You know, and I was like, man, this is lonely. And uh, but I remember my manager at the time called me and he goes, What are you doing next Monday? And I go, Very funny, I'll be tempting at Disney Legal. And he goes, No, you're not, you'll be auditioning for Saturday Night Live. And I go, Wait, what? 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 You know, because they had come to see a showcase for Chris Catan, and I had one sketch in, you know, and uh, and I And I I got the audition from that one sketch, and I was like blown away. I used to think, I'll be able to tell my grandchildren, I auditioned for SNL. Here, I got SNL, and I won't have grandchildren.
1: (laughs) You know, life is all about trade-offs now, right? Right. (sighs) I mean, you know, right. So were you just, when you got it, was it like, I mean, Okay, stay calm, or was it like I screamed.
0: It? I screamed because it was a process. There was um two trips to New York, and then uh they came out to see a regular show. I remember Lauren Michaels and Bernie Brillstein came to see a regular show, and uh it was a process. It was, you know, um, and you just didn't I had no idea like weeks went by. And you just think if you not hearing anything, you know, but they were seeing so many people at the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was above and beyond what I had ever dreamed of. I just dreamed of being a groundling and my love for it and my devotion to it um, was like, I never ever found something that felt that exciting and good and fulfilling creatively you know I was just um and I'm like wait a minute so I'm gonna be doing this as a living
1: (laughs) you're like wait I'll pay you to come on Saturday Night Live this year
0: right and you know and it was just like oh my gosh this was I never thought a dream like that so big could happen to me
1: You know, everyone always asks me like how I deal with the internet trolls, like all the listeners who have something to say about the housewives and leave negative comments all day on Instagram. Listen, I have to tell you, I'm really serious when I say that the comments don't bother me at all. And the only reason why is because I've worked on my mental health. I mean, mental and physical health, there's really nothing more important because when you work on yourself and you have that clear mind, nothing can bother you, you're comfortable, you're happy inside. And the long-term effects of therapy and working on your mental health really can help strengthen your relationships and give you a more positive outlook on life. And for my mental health, I've turned to talk space because listen, first of all, it's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy, but really I love that I can reach out to my therapist and get my therapy and work on myself from anywhere in the world. You don't have to wait for an appointment or go into an office. And their licensed therapists are trained to handle just a variety of specialties. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use code VELVET to get $100 off your first month. That's VELVET and Talkspace.com. How nice was it to be with like Chris Kattan and like Will Farrell, like people that were at the ground? Yeah,
0: I felt thing. like I was with my brothers. You know what I mean? It was... uh it was good. And everybody who got the show that year was wonderful. And we were all, it was like NBC before then had kind of cleaned house. Right. So everybody was new. So it's like starting first grade, everybody's starting first grade. You know, no people had been there and had been maybe jaded or anything like that. You know, it was, everybody was wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and appreciative.
1: And then, so you get there, you get this great opportunity You know, you mentioned like the writers, like, so that's how it works. Like they don't have to write, like you're, say they hire however many people, you could either be in a lot of sketches or not. Like it's really up to them to write.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you're auditioning for a show every week that you already got. You don't know if you're going to be in it. And, you know, luckily, you know, I remember when Lauren said, we want you to continue writing. I was so flattered. Little did I know that, I would have to write to keep myself on, you know what I mean? I didn't know how it worked, but then it made sense in a way because characters come from within. Very rarely does a writer write a character for somebody. It happens, but not too often, you know, characters usually come from someplace inside yourself. So, um you know, the Groundlings was the best training ground for that. And because I did have a day job, most of the time I was writing, I mean, I was, I was taking classes at the Groundlings. I ended up having to write a lot by myself because I couldn't meet other people when they were free to meet. Right. You know? So it, that helped.
1: And then is that, listen, because you I've spoken to other people from SNL throughout the years and you hear stories like, is that then like this tension between the writers and the actors and you know everyone's kind of jockeying for position and maybe because you're
0: not really competing against fellow actors as much as you are the writers just to get in you know so like I'm not being paid as a writer but I'm writing to get in so just say my sketch gets in you know what I mean and a writer's doesn't it I feel like There is a competition, you know, just to get things in. And I can imagine how it must feel to be a writer and not get in. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm writing as much as the writers are. I'm just not getting paid for it. Right. And that almost feels a little unfair. You know what I mean? I mean, there were people that were great writers, but even if their stuff didn't get in, actors, you knew they were going to be taken care of. You knew they were going to have a couple of choices. And then there were people that they, you knew the only choice you were going to have, pretty much, was whatever you wrote. You might get thrown in something at the end if your stuff didn't get in, you know, but um, you know you're just being thrown in because you didn't get anything in.
1: So, I mean, is that like, this is the chance of a lifetime, yay, or is that that sounds like a stressful environment.
0: It's incredibly, and that I think is what makes SNL so hard because I remember the first time I did a sitcom after doing SNL and I was like, this is, this is heaven. Like, wait a second. First of all, you come in at 10, you leave at three. Right. Um, and you're being written for, and no matter what, you're going to be in the show. Like, you can't believe how easy it was and I remember being nominated for a for a, um for a, a, an Emmy and I was like what and I it was for a, a sitcom that I did and I thought to myself that was the easiest piece of cake um and so nice to be recognized but that wasn't, but that was also a time when people weren't being recognized much at all for SNL. Right. You know what I mean? Um, they, you know, once in a while, but not that much, you know, not like it is now. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe how much of a cakewalk in heaven it was, you know, I'm like, Hey, uh, Miss Oteri, what would you like in your eggs? I'm like, what's your angle? You know, it's, I'm going to tell you something. SNL is like the mean street, you know? And then you come out to LA and you're in a sitcom and it's like, this is unbelievable. This is the life. Did You you have
1: like PTSD after SNL?
0: Oh yeah. I would have dreams, you know, that I would go into the offices and everybody's door was closed and there was laughter behind everybody's door. Like everybody found someone to write with and they're cracking up and they're writing and their door is closed. I've got no ideas and no one to collaborate with. And I can't think of a thing. And then the next day I come to the table and I've got nothing. And you sit through read through for hours and have nothing. It's like, I had that dream a lot. But then on the positive side, You have this incredible creative freedom that you can create. And I did whatever my imagination thought of, you know? So that's the other side of it. It's almost like, yeah, you got to work for yourself. And then, yeah, you get to work for yourself, you know?
1: Yeah. And you had these dreams like afterwards for like a while, just until.
0: Sometimes they'll pop up. Wow. They'll still pop up, but. Yeah.
1: Wow. And it was not amongst the cast. It really was like the writers. Because I could see like the writers are probably like, this is our job, but we have to get something in. But now we're not getting anything in because people, you know. Like, it was are so for good. everybody.
0: I got to tell wow. you, equal opportunity. Because you, there's no steady ground. You're never on steady ground. You know, so there's no comfort the only thing is if you have a really strong foundation sense of self you know you kind of had an upbringing that fed your uh, emotional needs you know you could get through it maybe better than if you didn't have that you know it's and not it was, for the faint of heart. Let me tell you something. It was a great time to, what is this therapy thing you say, you, you speak of? So I talked to somebody. Oh, and they just listen. Oh, and they helped me navigate through these emotions or whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, believe me, that's when you hit therapy. You either hit drugs or you hit therapy.
1: One of the two after an SNL experience.
0: Well, no, unless you really have a very good, um, I don't know, a foundation, you know what I mean? Even when you do have a foundation, it plays, you know, it plays with you, but it was so difficult. And yet at the same time, it was so creatively um, fulfilling, you know what I mean? So that was fed. As much as you're starved to maybe, you know, kind of emotionally or whatever, insecure, you also get that fulfillment of being creative and like imagining something and then seeing a set built that you imagined, you know, and then doing what you imagined in front of millions of people. Like that's overwhelming, you know, and then live in front of people. That's why like after Saturday night, I could not sleep. How can you sleep? It's almost like you just bungee jumped. You know, emotionally, creatively, you just jumped out of a plane and it's very hard to kind of come down from it because you're just thinking, did, did it go well? Did, did it go well? Did it go well? You know, um, and then you think of what you didn't do right. You know what I mean? But um, I mean, to have that kind of uh, creative fulfillment, it's that's that's also hard to equal. Oh, my
1: God. I have to tell you guys, The Envelope is back with more podcast episodes from the LA Times. And listen, I'm so excited. Now you can hear Emmy-nominated actors and directors ahead of the big night. And you guys know I love the Grammys. I love... Listen, I love it all. I love the Oscars. I love every award show, which is one of the reasons why I love listening to The Envelope. But nothing is better for me, then the Emmys, TV is everything. September 12th is the big night for the Emmys. And now you can head to the envelope and you can listen to these actors and directors ahead of the big night. So listen, some of their upcoming guests include Bill Hader, Melanie Linsky, and coleman domingo from euphoria these guys at the envelope that are doing these interviews they're from the la times so you know if you think i know what i'm doing these guys are professionals you can download and listen to the envelope from the la times wherever you get your podcasts Catch up now because, hey, September 12th and the Emmys are just only a few weeks away. That's right. The Envelope is back with more podcast episodes from the LA Times. Well, look, I mean, you say, right, like you gave us some great characters, the Spartan cheerleaders, Laura Zimmerman. I mean, they're all great. You gave new meaning to the word simmer down. <laughs> do, you, do you have a favorite of all your characters that you created? Or is that like asking you to choose amongst your children?
0: Uh no, I I have favorites for different reasons. Like just the cheerleaders because of how much work we put into it. Like the funny thing is, as, you know, kind of outcasts as they were, they were good at, you know, they were together and synchronized. And, and it's kind of like, wow, we really made this hard for ourselves. When we wrote that, you know, Will and I were like, then when it became like kind of a, a hit and everything, we were just like, we we made this hard, like, you know, um, but the connection that it had with so many people was, oh my God, you know, everybody who ever felt like an outcast and, you know, just seeing on Halloween, every, you know, girls and and with their husbands or their gay friend were, you know, um, just doing it year after year, it was so sweet. And, and you know, heartwarming. And then there was like um, my my the the one that I had the most fun doing in the moment because cheerleaders was like I wanted I wanted to get it done and because it was so hard there was so much thought into it and but was and it wasn't even a big favorite sketch but morning latte okay because I loved first of all I was sitting down and I just loved playing this ill informed. Co- character that was never thrown off by how ill-informed she was you know and they did not know what they were talking about and it didn't stop them it just we laughed a lot when writing it
1: and the sitting down and it was like a more relaxing
0: oh my gosh and it was the only time I ever broke on on SNL because but it was the dress show because we were doing this thing where's Seinfeld uh where Jerry Seinfeld wrote a book called The Realm and in it I I think Will goes like this holding the book and it hits me in the head right and we wrote it like that and I forgot and it clocked me so hard in the head and it made the loudest sound that the audience all went oh it didn't hurt but it shocked me and I started laughing and I couldn't I couldn't come back. The shock of it, and I couldn't come back. So Will had to say my lines. He's like, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And he would say my lines and everything, but um, that was really, really fun. And I loved doing the prescription drug lady, even though it was scary because I was so much by myself, you know, um, but just how we wrote it. And my sister, was a nurse. So I would always ask her about prescription names. And, uh, um, and we had so much fun. Matt Piedmont and I would write that. And because uh, um, I had a family member when I was a kid growing up, you know, that would come visit and you knew she was high, you know, and she's back then they used to take their pillbox out and it was bejeweled. You know what I mean? It was not yeah. so hid your prescriptions. You talked about your prescriptions. This one is for pep. This one is for sleep. This one is for water weight, you know? Um, so that's where that character came from. Um, uh, and then like simmered down now was just something so silly that my friend and I were saying to people all summer long, you know, slow it down now, quiet down now, And just, I said, you know, I'm going to, create it's like so I like them all for you know kind of different reasons but I love the ones that were easy and I could enjoy while doing it and that made me laugh like morning latte
1: did the audience know and did people know when like Will was like doing your lines and like did they realize like
0: Uh uh-huh because it it was a dress show but I could remember that I couldn't speak I couldn't even breathe and um I couldn't recover and so he just had to, and yeah, and they kind of got a kick out of it. Like for me to break was a big deal. I, I, I would never break. That's one thing you learn at the Groundlings, you know, too. Like, you never, never break. break, commit.
1: What about, listen, you've also done some amazing impressions. Obviously, let's just start with the obvious. Talk to me about, like, how did the Barbara Walters come about? Like, what's your process when you decide, okay, I'm going to do Barbara Walters today?
0: No, it wasn't that. It was a suggestion from Lorne Michaels. And he told a writer that said to me, Lorne wants you to do Barbara Walters. And I said, you know, because I didn't do impressions. And I go, oh, my God. I said, I remember saying, Tim, I, I can't do impressions. And you know, maybe one of the other girls might have a take. And then he comes back again. Lauren wants you to do, uh, uh, I go, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not, you know, qualified to do that. I don't do impressions. I wouldn't even know how to go about it. And then he came back a third time. He goes, Sherry, you don't understand you're doing Barbara Walters. And I go, oh, oh, you put it that way. Okay. (laughs) I thought it was, you were asking me, no, we're just being nice, but we're not asking anyone. Anyway. And I go, oh, okay. So I just started watching her in a different way. And, and I'm telling you, I was, you know, I, I got this because I knew I couldn't do what Gilda did. I had to have my own take and then I would listen to it and I would think her, her voice was not so much, not saying ours, but first, cursed, worst, her E-R, her U-R, and the S. The S was right here in her lips, and almost like a whistle. And so, I was writing words that were like that, you know. So I and then her cadence. Well, you're certainly one of the Mm -hmm. most controversial and talked about first ladies this nation has ever had, you know. And she's fluid and and soft. Where I'm used to doing this, but I really had to calm her, my me down to, you know, because she does not move. You know, um, and so the more I did it, I think the easier it got for me. And then once the audience accepted me doing it, I could then go off and and do things that maybe she didn't do and really have fun with it. Because I used to watch people imitate people and I used to love Dana Carvey because Dana Carvey would always do a take on somebody. Right. He didn't nail it perfectly. It was a take and I enjoyed the take more than I did, you know, with somebody that would, you were like, Oh my God, they're that person. The take to me was had, you know, it was, it was enjoyable. And I love watching Dana Carvey and, you know, Gilda Radner, her take, you know what? So I thought, all right, what's my take? And Then it was the gift that just kept on giving because I mean, he gave me the best gift by making me do that because I would have never done it. And I would have lost out on 2020 Oscar specials, um, you know, the top 10 most intriguing people. And I started writing all of those, you know, at the time. And then the view came and, you know, Tina was writing that with, I think, Lori Nasso, and I got to do that. Like, I realized Barbara Walters did so much stuff. It gave me so much, so many platforms, yeah. you know, and who would have thought that in the year 2020, I'd be doing her again because she said over and over 2020, you know what I mean? It was like the gift that kept on giving.
1: It's almost like, you know, maybe I'm making too much of it, but it's almost like Lauren Michaels is just such a genius.
0: I am grateful. I am very grateful. You know, you know, when you've never done something before, it's so easy to say, Oh, I can't do that because you've never done it. You know, and now I get to say that to people now. When you say, I can't do that because you've never done it, you are you're cutting your you know, you're cutting your foot off, you know? And it's like, try doing it, you know, be a child again, and look at it like this is a classroom, you know? Life is a classroom, you know? And just because you get to SNL doesn't mean you're gonna nail everything either. So it was like, just try it. And I wouldn't have tried it if he didn't force me to. And he believed, in me more than I believed in myself so I'm grateful for that
1: was the first time you met Barbara when she did her final episode of the view and you were Barbara Walters interviewing the real Barbara? Oh, no Walters? I
0: um I met her we did the view a few times the you okay. know uh yeah um Molly Anna and I and Tracy Morgan um uh we yeah we went on the view I remember it was uh April 1st April Fool's Day, we all, they opened the show as if it was a regular show and it was all of us and not them. Amazing. And we just started the show as if, and then they all came out, you know, and, um, but I was on the show a few times. And then one time they asked me to co-host because I think Meredith Vieira was stuck in snow somewhere and she couldn't fly out, something like that. And so I go, oh, I'm not, And it was that day. And I go, Oh, you guys, I'm not good as myself. Trust me. I'm not like this. I'll be too scared and intimidated. And they go, Oh no, no, Sherry. We Barbara really thinks you can do it. And. And I go, Oh no, 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 no. You don't understand. They go, no, you don't understand. Look out your window. The car is outside. And I was like, Holy shit. (laughs) Like Barbara was like Lauren Michaels. No, the car's outside. It's, it's not necessarily a choice. So I go in and man, they were like, wow, she was right. She was right. I sat there and I'm like, I, I was just too uh, scared and intimidated, you know? Um, But yeah, so I've been, it was on the show a few times, but I will say that when I was on that last show, interviewing her as her, that story was, the funniest thing is when we found out that Barbara was leaving, my cousin Mary from Ocean City, New Jersey calls me up and she goes, here. you know that um, Barbara's leaving, you should do something on the show, you know, as if it's that easy. And I go, oh yeah, I know she's leaving. Yeah, yeah, that would, that would be cool. And I kind of forgot about it, but I did keep it in the back of my mind. I'm like, what would I do? And then my cousin, Mary calls me back like a week later. Hey, I called the gang at the view and I talked to them about you. Do I go, excuse me? (laughs) She goes, no, they were great. They agreed with me. And I go, wait, what? And then she goes, yeah, they're they said they're going to call you as it gets closer to when she leaves. And I'm like, get up. And, and then I thought to myself, all they were they would be at least they were really nice to her right Right. well a few months goes by i get a phone call from the executive producer at this view and they go hey sherry we talked to your cousin mary and uh she had a really good idea i'm like this is hysterical and you know god bless her you know god bless my cousin mary and This girl makes things happen. The next thing I know, you know, they said to me, what would you like to do? And I named three things, three ideas. But my favorite idea is me interviewing her as her. And they go, oh, Sherry, that's probably gonna be the least one that's gonna make it because it's gonna involve her. And that will take work, you know? And I go, oh. And so I started writing it anyway. And I wrote it with their guy, Frank uh, Scented Pietro, And um, and uh, then they flew me out. And luckily it was a pre-tape. So I was completely dressed as her. And they got her there. And they were saying, Sherry, you can't see this and you can't see that. And I go, oh, okay. I said it anyway. Because once we were rolling, everybody was into it. You know, and they're being protective of her. right? But she was okay with what I said. Like I said, you know, you had a no holds barred with her book, uh, Sexual Affair with a Black Man. And they go, don't say sexual. And they go, just say romantic. And I go, okay. You had a no holds barred sexual affair with a black man. (laughs) And nothing was said about it. And then I said something else, but, and then I said it anyway, and they were all cool with it. And um, it ended up being, oh, then I had, I came back to LA and they told me when it was going to air. So I had a bunch of people, I had bagels and locks and everybody, you know, together at my house and it didn't air. And I called and I was like a mess. And I go, what happened? What happened? And they go, Sherry, we're so sorry, but it turned out so good that we want to save it for the very last show. And I was just thinking they're cutting it. Right. And then they, they did not and it aired. And I am telling you, that was a highlight of my, that was a highlight of my career, was being able to do that. And I'll tell you something. She was very gracious. And she kept saying, as we're sitting there, the cameras were getting ready. She would look in the camera and she, her monitor, and she was like, my hands are messed. My hands are messed. And her people would come and they zhuzh They go back. And then a few minutes later, she looks up again. My hands are messed. What, my husband? And then they come out, they use her again. And then she's like, they go whisper. They go, Barbara. And she did it again. And they whispered to her. And they go, Barbara, you're looking at Sherry's monitor. And she started cracking up. And I never saw Barbara Walters like really laugh. And she was laughing. And I just, endorphins released. I was like, I am not only getting her, I am, she's enjoying this like she's laughing at my expense because my wig was a mess but no one fixed it that was the funny thing everybody's laughing the hair and makeup walk off and I'm like (laughs) nothing guys no 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 okay like no one fixed my wig or anything like that but um it was yeah a highlight
1: so she was looking at like you in the monitor saying the hair is a mess but her hair was
0: fine we looked so much alike we were dressed completely the same and everything but boy she could tell a bad hair she could tell a bad wig and she was just like my hair is a mess who did my hair
1: and then when they realized it was yours they were like oh she's fine let's just move on it's, it's oh my fine. god
0: no they all laughed because she was laughing she started laughing so much and it just everybody and it just broke any any kind of nervousness or tension everybody just started smiling through the whole thing
1: that's good
0: yeah what you know, about like all so frightened of turned out to be enjoyable kind of for everybody.
1: I can't picture Barbara Walters just like-
0: I know, I know. It was just so funny. Um, I I enjoyed it so much and she was very gracious.
1: What about, you know, like you hear, like I've read like Ladies Who Punch and all this other stuff, all like the hoopla, of like what goes on, like, did you see any of
0: that? Like the tension at the view? Um, Whenever I was on, Joy Behar would always go like this: "Do Barbara, when we on, do Barbara, do her." And I'm like, "Joy, I don't want any trouble. You know, like I'm not going to just do her. You know, I, I don't I don't know what she'll be okay with, and what would you know? I'm not going to just come in, you know, and because she just got such a kick out of it, you know. Um, but uh, then Barbara said she put me on the spot, and she goes, "So, how do you do me?" And I'm like holy shit and I wasn't prepared but I go you have a wonderful you have an amazing style I would study you doing interviews and what I noticed was you always gave celebrities at least a couple of very specific um very specific compliments not oh you're you're a fabulous pianist it was specific and the more specific you are with a celebrity, the more safe they feel, the more that, oh, oh, you feel, you know, validated. And it it relaxes them. And so they would get relaxed. And as soon as they were relaxed, she goes, so why the porn? You know, you're a concert pianist, you're an Emmy award-winning Winner, you know, uh, Oscar winner for the movie White Girl Black Boy, and you're a hip hop mogul or whatever. Why the porn? And and it's so funny because you're lulled. She lulls, and she was looking at me like curious because it's something like she's like, "Do I do that?" You know. But so I imitated her. You're a pianist. You're a hip hop mogul and you just got an Oscar for the movie, you know, black girl, white boy. Why the fuck? And she was just like, kind of staring at me like, you know, I wasn't making fun of her. I was just like, you know, kind of like, that's what I think you do. And and she was quiet. She was very quiet after that. But um, I love that show. I mean, I watch it to this day.
1: You do? I watch
0: it every day. I love it. I loved, I love Joy. I love Whoopi. I love Sarah. I love, you know, like, um, I love Megan McCain. I loved her viewpoint and, and, and her strength in, in her belief. And um, uh, I just, yeah, I love the view so much.
1: It's a great. Were you shocked when like, like Sonny
0: Houston? I love like I mean, um, yeah, that's another thing, but um
1: It's it's great. It's still great.
0: It's amazing. It's amazing, you know. Um God, and I love the influence that it has.
1: Were you shocked when like Whoopi then was like let go for two, I think it was two weeks or suspended and all that? Yeah, I
0: was like, but you know, I thought to myself, to me it was you know, it was everybody's got to be punished, you know, held responsible somehow for any slip ups, whatever. And I was like, oh my God, she could not have handled this with more class and grace. Like yeah. she came back, I learned something. I may, mean, you know, she came back the way everybody should come back but it's easy to, you know, it's easier said than done. I mean, you know, you're being, you're getting slapped on the wrist at, at at an age where it's like, wait a minute, wait, what? But you also have a platform, you know, where your voice can be heard by so many people and you do have an influence. And so you do have that responsibility. She just handled that so freaking beautifully. I, I even wrote, wrote her, you know, I just, uh, shot her an email I'm like now that is how you come back from something
1: and that's what did she not, say to that
0: no nothing you know I mean it wasn't it was me it was just as simple now that's how it's done
1: yeah like to your point like at a certain age and like in front of so many people that can't be easy and then to like come back and just hold your head high and handle it so well I, I totally agree
0: and said you know I understand things a little better now or whatever you know because I just say always say you know this life is a classroom you know and we got to be able to learn and fall and not think just because of the age we are we you know you know uh, you know I'm too big to fall or I'm too old to fall or I, you know I'm not gonna eat crow I'm not gonna you know And I, you know, just watching her do it, I just felt like, wow, you just taught a lot of people how you deal with something like this.
1: Yeah. What about, I know you said on Watch What Happens, like Debbie Reynolds may not have been happy with some of your impressions of her. It sounds like Barbara approved. Was there anyone else like you heard from that was like, thumbs up? We love, we love what you're doing with us.
0: Judge Judy called my manager and said, you tell your client that I said, she's almost got me, you know? And she was a doll. I met her at some event in New York and she came up to me and she was so cool. And she goes, uh, can I give my son your number? And I'm like, I'm not gonna say no. Um, I'm like, Judy, I-, I don't know, like, listen, If it didn't work out, you're the last person I wanna, you know, piss off. And she goes, nah, I'm not like that. You you, you know, it'll be okay. She was so cool. And then one time I saw her at a department in a department store and she was so cool. And she goes to me, what are you looking for? And I go, ah, a handbag. And she goes, let me look with you. And (laughs) And I go, and I'm like, you know, I can't just shop with Judge Judy. I'm just, I was like nervous the whole time. And i just like, let's just pick anything out so this can be over with because I'm, you know, nervous. And I go, oh, that, that bag is pretty." She goes, that's gorgeous. You're getting it. It goes to the, it goes to, up to the salesperson. She, she says, we're get, getting that bag right there. Goes up to the salesperson. Okay. I'm not on SNL that long. They go, it's $1,000. I go, sweet baby Jesus. And she didn't blink an eye. And I'm just like, oh, what? what did she get get? I don't think I ever spent more than maybe $200 on a handbag, you know, or something like that. And I go, and I had no choice. So I gave him my credit card and I was just like, and it was a Bottega Veneta bag. And I remember going to SNL with the bag, going back. And Tom Brooker was our wardrobe guy. And he goes like this to me, is that Bottega Veneta? And I go, uh-huh. Like he looked at me like, wow, you have good taste. And I go, no, Judge Judy made me buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but after a while, I'm like, I'm not going to say that anymore. Yeah, I bought a Bottega Veneta bag for 1000 <laughs> All
1: because you just didn't want to say, wait, I can't do this. Like Judge Judy was there. Like, I just, I have no choice. I have there, to. Yeah, she
0: went up to the counter with me. She's getting this bag. She is so beautiful, cool. And I still love watching her show. I love seeing her put people in there. You know, like sometimes you just don't get justice in life. And I watch that and I just, a little part of me gets fulfilled. You know what I mean? Yeah, go ahead. You give it, you know. You, you fixed their wagon. And then one time, out of nowhere, years goes by and she's getting her uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And she calls me at home. Sherry, I would like you to be there. This is years later. And I was like, what? And I remember I went and the guy who, you know, she's up at the microphone, the podium, the guy, Johnny Grant, he's like this Hollywood guy that's always been you know, with the introducing the people who get their stars, and he goes, "Oh, we've got a lot of celebrities out to support her," and he's just naming all these famous people, and she, and like he's done, and then she leans in, and Sherry O'Terry is here. I'm like, this fucking chick is the coolest badass. I mean, it was amazing. It was, she's just everything, you know? So that was a wonderful, and then she came on to do the show. And I said to her, I go, Judy, can you please come on and bust me as you? And she goes, Sherry, you don't know. I can't act, I can only be myself. And I said, well, then act like yourself. And I go, it'll be quick. You come on and you kick me off the bench. And you just say, Sherry, get your, and who did those eyebrows, whatever. And she did it, and she was so nervous and scared. And uh, I felt like saying, how does it feel, huh? (laughs) And, uh, but she did it great. And it was such a treat for everybody to have her come on and, you know.
1: A, I can't imagine Judge Judy scared of anything. And B, did she ever fix you up with her son?
0: Uh Uh-huh, I mean, and it was, (laughs) we went out like a few times. But I remember I never even saw him before or anything knock, knock, knock at my door. And I was like, oh, wow, he's good looking. You know, and we went out like a couple of times, but then I was going to L.A. for the summer and, you know, he was in New York and it was kind of like, it, you know, it just kind of let go. And it was great. You know what I mean? It, it couldn't have ended any better. Um, and. Uh, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Judge Judy could have been your mother-in-law, Sharon. I know, right? Then you know. Then I mean, I would just say, hang up this podcast, go retire, go move to some <laughs> island. It, it's going to be all over for you there. <laughs> what about like you've been on Watch What happened so many times? Like, are you like a true self-admitted housewives fan? Like a huge oh yes,
0: yeah. I love it. Like when I know it's on that night. I will even, you know, I could DVR but I can't wait. No. Like, I mean, I can't wait. New Jersey. Um, I get so invested. Even like the, you know, the vacation when it's girls trip. I love that. I love, um, uh, I love Atlanta. I love uh, um, Potomac, um, New York, Beverly Hills. You know, there's some I don't see as much, you know, I, I for whatever reason, it doesn't draw me in. But if you do watch two, you're going to be kind of drawn in, you know? Um, But some keep me, I'm more drawn in more than, and, and I always think like, what, you know, what do you like about this? It's watching people resolve conflict or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, that's what is interesting to me you know, and just say, oh my God, no one likes this girl right now. It's like everybody's in high school. And I'm always blown away when the girl does not even notice that nobody likes, the girl's not even worried that nobody, that she's pissed everybody off. She's just, and I'm going to quote somebody, I'm an icon or I'm this, you know, I'm the shit. I'm like, I'm just like, wow, that that belief in yourself, even when you're dead wrong, there is something so fun to watch about that. And, you know, people, it, it's, it's fun to watch, you know? It, it's fun, you know, to see resolution as well. And man, I don't even have to have ever seen a show to like, uh, to like a reunion.
1: The reunions are just, that's like,
0: I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to wear to watch The Reunion? No, I'm kidding. But it's like, even if I don't, like, there's a, a franchises that I really didn't watch, and I'll watch The Reunion, and I'm blown away. Andy handles that so incredible. He really kind of balances between calling somebody out on what they've done, but not completely alienating them. He always gives them the opportunity to say their piece, come back, you know, Um, but man, I don't know how these women do it. I would never sign up for something like that in a million years you know?
1: Not even if Andy said, you know, I mean, listen, he got you to show up at, you know, the 2020 New Year's as Barbara Walters. But if Andy called and just said, come on, I have a vision.
0: No, but that would be, an, that was an opportunity for me as well. You know what I mean? <clears throat> as scary as it was, um, I got to have fun. Like I thought to myself, all right, how am I going to write this? What am I going to say? And I, it, I saw it as an opportunity to, wrap up the year, you know, in a way, as if I would, if I was on SNL, like, all right, New Year's Eve, what are the, like, say, five big things that happened? Um, You know, pop culture, politics, whatever. And then, you know, Barbara's always got to talk about current stuff, but she's always got to throw in, what I love doing is throwing in what she thinks is cool, who she thinks is, you know, who she hangs out with you know what i mean so it's it's such a nice fun balance between old school and new and 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 current uh pop culture yeah they do and and i think the guys love it because we're all around the same age you know what i mean and so they get the nostalgia of it as well as you know um <laughs> the current issues you know too that you touch on um yeah so she is like the gift that keeps on. And then I thought with this past year, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't do Barbara again. And and I had no idea what I was going to do.
1: It's all, I'm here for all of it. So in other words, if Andy called you for the housewives, that wouldn't matter.
0: Oh, honey, I could, I do not have a thick enough skin. That's another thing that makes me watch it. I'm like, Man, you have to have a thick skin. Yeah, to be able to to live your life, you know, and all your personal stuff out there. And it always cracks me up when there's a housewife that's like, "I never knew this was going to get out." And I want to crack up. I'm like, "You signed up for a reality show because they all think they can kind of control the narrative." You know, totally.
1: It's like, what season are we in of any show, people? What about, like, are you watching Jersey now with, like, Teresa and Luis, and what do you think about all that?
0: (laughs) You know, Teresa is just like she was with Joe. What she doesn't want to see, she is not going to see. She is not going to see, hear, smell, touch, whatever she doesn't want to see. And she's going to carry that into this relationship, you know, and she looks at it as defending him and protecting. But the thing is, it's like, he's on a reality show too now, you know? Come on, keep remembering what you signed up for. Yeah. You know, and this is a great opportunity because the great thing is that it also gives them him a platform to speak up for himself. And he can say, hey, I loved that girl. And I went to an extreme to better myself and to win her back. That is the kind of guy I am. There is nothing wrong with that, you know? And I wish he did say that rather than, you know, she was thirsty. Because, no, 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 you were, you were saying that you, you were expressing your love to her in yeah. that way. And I looked at it like, Look at the, you know, the lengths that this guy's going to go to, to make things right. I mean, I just thought it, it as all good. I didn't see the bad of it. I have a friend of mine who's, who's gay. And he goes to one of those men's groups and he's like, Sherry, I'm the only gay one. He goes, that I know. of, But he goes, and these are all guys in their middle age and they're all, and I'm like, this is amazing. These guys You know, when you're kind of retiring, it's like, I'm stuck in my ways and this is the way it's going to be. But they're all kind of like like noticing something ain't going right. You know? Yeah. And I want to be better, do better. And they, they do this. How many guys would do that? Like that really shows character and intelligence and just, you know. So when he did that, I just saw like, oh, my God, that's, you know, that's what Boyd does. And that's what, you know, this time he was on a beach. So they, because it was on the beach and he even said they do a beach thing, you know but that made it look stranger, I guess. You know, that they were all shirtless. It looked like a, you know.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I agree. I mean, Theresa, it's going to be, I don't know. I hope it ends well, right? Never
0: going to see what she doesn't want to see you know, and, and God help the person that brings it up. You know what I mean? I like kind of almost waiting to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what's going to happen, you know?
1: Um. Listen, also on watch what happens, you know, you, we've made many appearances on our friend, Jeff Lewis's show, you know, you said Jeff doesn't say anything bad about Andy, but, you know, he likes to move it along. Well, listen, I'm not Jeff Lewis. So tell us, t- tell us something here about Andy. You can talk about Andy all you want here. Tell us something about Andy we don't know that we'd be shocked. I'm, we're dad.
0: not like, we're not that, you know, tight. I mean, we have this uh, like wonderful, like I love that he loves what I do, you know? And, you know, and invites me on you know, to do what I do and that we have the same kind of sense of humor, you know?
1: Yeah, same totally. thing to
0: laugh, you know? So, um, but, you know, I don't know any secrets or anything like that. And um, of course, if I did, I would not say anything. But uh, no, he's just, um, he loves to laugh. And I think he likes... People who are funny, and you know, um, he's the best ringmaster, cir- circus ringmaster you could ever have. You know,
1: <laughs> it can't be easy to host all of those reunions. What about Jeff Lewis? I mean, what you know, you've been on his show many times, love listening to you guys together. What no. is it about? You just have the same sense, sensibility. Well, the
0: funny thing was, was like, I'm really into. Uh, I watch HGTV. Like I know all the shows, love it or list it, Property Brothers, Hometown. I mean, do
1: you I watch, watch like the Million Dollar Listing and the Selling Sunsets and all of those too? Um,
0: I do watch them, but I'm not avid. Like because um, uh, I gotta look for them. They're not on HGTV. Um, but whenever I I come upon, I always stay on it because I'm really into home makeovers. and being a homeowner myself it's I don't know why I get like I just think to myself okay this wall needs to come down um we're gonna push this out you know I'm just and just home you know um I just love these shows I, I love turning like a dilapidated home. There's a home on my block that was from the 1920s and it was so dilapidated and I just was obsessed with whoever's going to buy this. And it was up and it was a teardown. Like they let this house go, but it was like, like a French kind of small chalet type. It was so, it was like out of a fairy tale book. And this guy bought it and he said to me, the historic uh, society is making him he can't build onto it nothing they're lucky that someone bought this and he had to completely keep everything and just rebuild it and it is so gorgeous and I keep going up with my dogs when I walk my dogs and looking inside to see what they did and they did such a good job like I'm I'm into this and so I saw Jeff years ago at a at the gym and he goes hey would you like to come and you know when I was watching his show and I didn't really do any podcasts or anything. And I didn't know how I would be on a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But sometimes me as myself, unless it's like this and I don't see the audience, I, I'll get intimidated and scared, you know, uh, you know so I'm never going to be t- t- totally comfortable. But so I did this podcast and I was thinking to myself, it feels like you're in someone's kitchen. Like, this is great. You know, um, and so I went back and I did it again. And I was just like, wow, this is so interesting. It's so much easier to be yourself, but it's also so scary because you can, it's easy to be yourself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you too. you know, like to me, I'm just talking to you. And yet I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm not just talking to you. But what I don't see like Teresa. What I want, don't see, don't hurt me.
1: It's all safe, right? You're just talking to me. Just think of it as just talking to me. We're at
0: the kitchen table. We've got an Entenmann's cake.
1: We're having our coffee.
0: We got coffee. Nobody gets hurt.
1: What do you think of, I don't know, did you see this yesterday that they announced that there's going to be two real housewives of New York? I mean, it's a little bit of a convoluted statement.
0: Mm. Well, it's almost like... Incubating a new, because there's so much, I think, with the housewives, because these women have been on for such a long time and people don't want to see them go, but yet I'm sure, you know, how do you turn that over? So how about if we keep that on and incubate this? And then we can introduce new people, young people that are all starting first grade at the same time. You know what I mean? Instead of putting a new person in where these people have been. And it's going to be very, very hard for them to acclimate. You know, I almost think I understand why they would do it to start fresh. You know, and then keep what people want to see that are used to whatever. Um, But I also would imagine the money's got to be crazy that, you know. After all this time but they're also the the network, a lot of money too. So, you know um, but I think uh, I can understand it. Like let's start fresh and yet keep if they can the old guard to uh, for the people that don't want it to go, you know, these women to go.
1: That's what I think. I mean, it kind of makes sense to me too. And I think the money was a factor. I think the money was costing a lot. And how do you get rid of one, keep two? It's, it wouldn't, this makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, like I crack up at like like um, Ramona. Oh, that Amy, the girl Amy who does Ramona cracks me up. And actually her podcast, I was with Jeff in his studio and I saw, what's her last name? Phillips. Yeah. And I saw her poster and I go, oh, I love her. And Jeff is like, good day. She's before me, like she's before him or something like, I don't know if there's any kind of, but he laughed after, you know, I said that because, um, uh, I mean, the way she does these women, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. Uh, She's so good. But yeah, her doing Ramona, like Ramona will never learn. And it cracks me up because she's okay with it.
1: (laughs) I I just wonder like how she feels today. Like to me, this is like, you should learn from this. I mean, there might be this other thing, but I don't think the money is going to be the same. And essentially you've lost this, not to be negative, but this show is going on without you now, the actual incarnation
0: But is she still on the older, going to be still on the older one?
1: I don't know. I think, but the way I read it is like the first one, the new incarnation is going to happen completely for Oh yeah, all new
0: people. But I think that's wonderful to put new people in this position, you know, and especially if it's going to be a real young person, you know, you know, there's, what are they going to have in common? You know, And, and, and it's going to be, it's too, that's why I always used to say, like, I was so lucky to start SNL when, They cleaned house and they brought in all new people. We all got to start together and come up with each other and experience this all for the first time together. I think that's, um, I think, you know, that, that needs to happen instead of throwing someone young and new into this
1: wolf pack. It's not going to work. Did Jeff get territorial when you mentioned Amy Phillips? Was he like, you're my guest?
0: No, she, no, because it wasn't like I was going to be on the show or anything. I like just go, oh, I love her. And he was like, gay. Like I'm saying, he didn't say gay. That's me. That's what I do when I'm like, ooh. And, and then he laughed because, you know, she has a radio show too. But, you know, he's like wincing and then laughing.
1: You got to um, check out her Meredith Marks is phenomenal. She does like a spot on Meredith Marks from Salt Like It is so spot on.
0: I am blown away by her ability I'm blown away and I'm so freaking entertained by it
1: if you were gonna before we wrap up if you were gonna like and do any housewives I mean I know you say you don't do impressions but you've done quite a few now sherry and they're all really good would you do who would you choose to do when I
0: sit and I listen to them I'll sit and I'll be by myself and I'll repeat what they said as they would say it you know but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I wouldn't do an impression. I'm gonna, Amy Phillips has got that tied up, um, but I'll sit and I, I'll repeat something that I hear them say because they say it in such a way that needs repeating. Like I am I crack up by like, I repeat a lot of things to Teresa said, you know. Um, and um love Beverly Hills
1: we're gonna have Beverly Hills
0: back in May Atlanta's back in May I love Potomac Atlanta like I love these women that you know I mean they are razor sharp tongue they're doing things that are saying things that are awful and they are not blinking an eye there is something I'm blown away by it and I almost, it's kind of like, I don't care what anybody thinks, you know? And there's something, there's something good about that. There's something bad about it, but there's something good about that. Like I was watching the Kanye West documentary, you know, the other night. I was thinking to myself, no matter what he says, that people are like, you know, he's like, I'm good with it. You know, it's not like they're wincing. Oh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe, yeah, I said that. And there's something that I'm, just, I'm blown away by, the, the confidence, even, even when they do something, you know, that pisses people off.
1: I assume there's a lot of buzz to that point around Pete Davidson now as he goes into the SNL.
0: I know, to well, Andy said he goes, he, he asked me on Watch What Happens Live, he said, um, what do you think about this Kanye West and, and Pete Davidson thing? And I go, the one thing Kanye West is saying Conscious uncoupling my ass. Like, he is going through all the motions of being pissed, hurt, open, and, you know, just, he is not consciously uncoupling.
1: It's like something different every other day. It's like, now there's this. I'm like, what is going on? It's getting stranger by the day, I think.
0: I know. And I'm just so amazed at, like, the most personal things that people are just not you know, now it's a part of their lives that you just do everything out loud, you know? Yeah. And you look at social media. How'd that go? How'd that go? You know, I remember, you know, that Ted Cruz was uh, after the uh, Ketanji, um, uh hearings. I'm like glued to that. I can't believe what this girl, woman's got to go through. But Ted, you know, Cruz said, like just was like, berating just ridiculous stuff with her and then the next thing he did after he was his time was up look down at his and they said that he was looking at his twitter was to see the response it was like how did my performance go and that's what it was it was a performance how did how did the audience receive my performance how am i looking you know and people that are just how'd that go how'd that go you know
1: it's a (laughs) yes i do now
0: i mean you got it of course you, you have this podcast so you're getting it from every you know the the good the bad the ugly
1: but i've said this before if this wasn't my job i could well i can say this for sure i would like never be on social media like i would just probably like it's really for the job i mean and i love it don't get me wrong i'm not complaining i'm just saying like It's when people put up such personal things. I'm like, man, if I had a job that wasn't tied to social media, I don't know if you'd ever see me. I don't know. Maybe I say that, but maybe I would be on social media every minute of the day. So what? Well,
0: you would feel more protected because you didn't have this. You know what I mean? I think you would feel more protected because I always say, like, I get some of the nicest, most beautiful things said to me, and I say you know, I'm also not that kind of famous. It's people come out of the woodwork to attack you when you're famous, famous. It's like, oh, let me knock them down a few pegs for no good reason, you know? I kind of fly under that, I fly under that radar. So, and if anybody's gonna bother with me, it's gonna be mostly because, you know, they like something that I did or something, you know, or they relate to something, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't, I'm so grateful, you know, because- Uh, You know, I don't have the thickest skin and I think that that would bother me, but, um, you know, you also get the love and I'm sure you get the love.
1: See, and if you were a housewife, you would not get the love. You would get, (laughs) you would get a lot of love, but you would get just as much hate. It would be and it would not stop.
0: It's like, you're asking for it, you know, come at me and you have to have a thick skin. And I think a lot of these women, they do have the temperament for it.
1: They do. And then some, I mean, they do, they do fight back on social media. I'm like, why are you answering this person? It's not going to go well. You're just going to, but I do think they have the thick skin, but sometimes some of them get into it with strangers on social media. And I'm like, this person's not going to go away. I learned away.
0: not to do that because.
1: Never. It's going
0: to be like, you know, they're all, it's whack-a-mole. You, you know, you think, oh, I told them another one's going to come. I told them, it's like, you're going to spend your whole life I told them and it's like, that is, you know, there's always going to be them, but it's like, you know, put the
1: phone down people,
0: put the phone down.
1: Well, Don't listen, put the phone
0: down and do a podcast. Oh, we're so evolved.
1: You can come back here. You should come back again. I mean, when you're not busy doing Jeff's podcast <laughs> radio show, excuse me, tell Mr. Lewis, we send our love. I um, will. Anything else you want to share that I didn't bring up here today? I like to give people a chance at the end.
0: No, my gosh, we, I really do feel like this was just such a nice, easy conversation um, between us that some may have overheard. Um,
1: That's my, that's what I'd like to go for. (laughs) I like to just, people that listen say it's like listening to two friends talking. So that's kind of Somehow, without trying, become my style over three years. So I'll take that.
0: You do it well. You do listen.
1: You do it well as a guest because that was just very entertaining. Thank you for bringing all of your fabulousness here. Oh,
0: honey, my pleasure.
1: Where can people find you on Instagram that want to follow you that don't already? Oh my gosh! I'll share it with them.
0: Okay, okay, you share it. Um, I. I'm getting, I'm on Instagram more than I was. I'm really trying to, you know, I I don't feel the need to put everything on Instagram, but, you know, if something I'm thinking, oh, this would be fun to share or something like that, you know, uh, then I do, you know, but I, you know, I don't just throw anything on there. I'm not on it all the time.
1: I'm
0: more, I'm on it more than I used to be.
1: Well, I will share your handle so everyone can follow you.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm on Instagram way more than like Twitter or anything like that.
1: Same here. Twitter's no. too complicated. Come mm-hmm. back anytime. This was great. All
0: right. sweetheart. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your time.
0: Uh, my pleasure. Okay. Bye. bye.
1: Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope, because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear,